When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark. And before we get started, I do want to thank our sponsors, AKG, for sending us the Lyra mic and the headphones from the Podcasters Essentials Kit. They sound amazing, and they're an incredibly affordable way to get into podcasting. And today, we head to France with Robbie Jabel. We decided to take a walk through the French countryside, and no, that's not a euphemism. So occasionally, there'll be a little bit of wind noise. But Robbie has led a fascinating life, including escaping civil wars. He's lived all over the world, and all of this can be felt and heard in his music. And it's also been influenced by the medical condition his father developed several years ago called normal pressure hydrocephalus. We discuss how moving so often as a kid has had an effect on him and me as we get older. We disagree on French gangster rap and he ruins my conspiracy theory of eights with a coincidence. Robbie also talks about how he felt the first time he found a bootleg of his albums. And this episode has something for everyone, including birds, angry cows, and an overly affectionate dog. Now follow Robbie, and I'm going to butcher this, Mondocon TV, M-O-N-D-O-C-A-N-E underscore TV. Get the EP on Bandcamp. Send it to other people. Really, he wants you to. And send this show to other people by rating and reviewing it. We accept coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. Merch is up at performanceanx.threadless.com. So get some comfy shoes on and walk with me and Robbie Chabell on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. All right. This is... Ah, uh, shit. Wait. This is... This is... Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. It's, so should I say my name the way I say it in English, in Arabic, or in French? You know what? You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in Arabic. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say I'm Lebanese. So my... my in all this discussion, I'm actually Lebanese. I'm born in Lebanon, so so I'm gonna say my name in Lebanese. So, so this is Rabiaj Beide from Mondokane, and um, you're on performance anxiety. No, I'm on performance anxiety. Sorry, you're listening to performance anxiety. Okay, wait. This is Rabiaj Beide from Mondokane, and I'm oh, and I'm on perform. You know what? I'm gonna have to write this down. Or I can do it with a Lebanese accent speaking in English, right? Um, this is Rabiaj Beyde, and uh, I'm from Mondokane. Well, you're listening to Performance Anxiety, eh? 
<laughs> okay, I'm going to do it naturally. No, this is really not natural. I'm just going to stay natural. The, the, the thing is, I'm, I'm very, I goof a lot and, and I ramble a lot. And if you let the mic open, my, this is my problem. You let the mic open and I'll just, especially now with lockdown, and you know, you don't you don't talk a lot and you don't see a lot of people. So when all, when all of a sudden it happens and you just like, blah, 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 blah. This is my problem right now. Okay, more simply. So, I am Rabia Shbeidi from Mondokane, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety. Uh, you know what? You know what? What could be nice? Let's have a walk together. Yeah. We can make them. <laughs> that can be a, the international can be a nice, walk. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I've done it with a, with a friend in Canada. You know, just walk around and talk. You feel like you're... You know, walking with a friend. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's got this different feel to it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if you had a chance so to. There, you're my friend on, on the right side. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and a pony. <laughs> oh, a pony. <laughs> my dog's locked in the kitchen so he doesn't go nuts. Otherwise, I'd show you the only animal I got oh. around here. Well, because uh, I, li- I live on a, a yeah, I live on a short loop, and uh, a lot of people like to walk around it. And so, if if he sees somebody, he's at the window, he will go apeshit. It's uh, I got <laughs> I really got sick of the city. You see, this is the um, the little village I'm in. Oh wow! So oh, beautiful. that's amazing! Oh, it's so beautiful! So old <laughs> yeah it's really old it's really really old. oh i love that stuff oh man you're making me jealous my house i thought my house was old and it was built in 1961 i uh, know <laughs> <laughs> that's not the same no yeah, here is old with with cows and the crazy dog there, yeah. there you go hey all right <laughs> there's the crazy dogs yeah. <laughs> oh, this guy's house is beautiful Oh wow, that's one house. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, you don't tell him he's a real asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a fucking jerk. I swear to God, his dog is just like him. <laughs> <laughs> the guys with the beautiful houses usually are. Yeah. That's how usually they can, that's, a... that's how they can afford the beautiful houses. Exactly. I don't kind of, have a. I don't have a house. I rent them. There, yeah, them so. There's some kind of weird correlation between being an asshole and having a beautiful house. I think it's got to do with the money. Mm-hmm. Somehow assholes get all the money. Yeah, I, I think the world is is built that way. Bunch of bunch of people. So hey, here, look at this behind me. Oh wow, that's beautiful, man. That's so green. Yeah, that, that's a beautiful room. Oh man, I'm gonna have to send you some pictures of where I live because it's. I, I think it's, I love where I, I live in Winchester, Virginia, and it's yeah. it's actually a lot of the uh, landscape is similar. To that not quite as yeah, old houses. Definitely. We do have some old houses for the U.S. I mean, it you know we've we've got some old Revolutionary War buildings yeah. out here, but so you know mid 1700s. So. That's all right. I'll consider that old. I mean, it's not like an old French castle or anything, but as far as no, this it's country not goes, the same. it's it's uh, it's you know, I've I lived in Alexandria for that, a while. I saw that, and uh, yeah, well, it's 
Honestly, I really loved it. I think maybe because I'm like wearing rose tainted glasses from my childhood, but yeah, it's all beautiful. It's uh, it's so great when you're a kid. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, and it's gorgeous. It's really green, and yeah. So I think, I think I can identify to to Winchester. I think I think I've got an idea of how how it could look. Oh yeah, it would be really cool. So, but you know, you have, like you said, you'd, you'd lived in Alexandria for for a while, but that's not where you're from originally. You know, I mean, you've been everywhere. So, where? Tell me a little bit. Uh, and I just did the, my cardinal sin. I hate it when people interviewing people say, "Tell me about this and talk about that." That's 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 just too formal and just sounds like I'm putting you on the spot. So let's make it a little more conversational. Where did you grow up? And and why were you moving around so much and, and let's find out where you where you lived so um i'm born in lebanon okay. and uh and uh, but my family is originally from the south of lebanon which, which is tyre okay the city of tyre one of the oldest cities in the world <laughs> and uh it turns out i think i'm born in <laughs> oh <laughs> anyway it's <laughs> really bad it's not really important. The thing is, my father had a clinic. He was he was a doctor back in Africa. He's not a doctor anymore. Okay. Uh, he was a doctor back in Africa. And he had a clinic in Gabon, in Libreville, the capital of uh, Gabon. Okay. And, um, and basically, so he kept on going back and forth between Gabon and Lebanon. And then... I'll stop walking a bit. Okay. You know what, Ashley? I'm going to sit, I'm going to sit somewhere. Oh, good. <laughs> this is going to be better. <laughs> uh, and uh, and um, uh, what happened next? Well, basically, in I was born in 1979. It was a bit in the middle of the war, right? The civil war in Lebanon. We left to Gabon. Stayed a while, and it's it's a bit of haze because it was in between. Gabon and Lebanon, and then a lot of France, because my father used to love going to Bordeaux in France. So we used to travel a lot around that. And when I was six, my parents got a divorce. Um, and when they got a divorce, my mom decided that she wanted to pursue interior design studies. And she had a scholarship for for uh, uni in Virginia. Ah, okay. So we went to the USA, and uh, we stayed there for three years and a half. Then after, like, after a while, my dad basically told my mom, you know what, this is not possible. He's too far away from me, but all that. Right. So he basically, they made a decision to go and live in, um, to come and live in Paris. So she came back to Paris. Once her studies were over, uh, meanwhile she met someone else. Okay. And when she met someone else, she decided to go to Kuwait with him because his family was in Kuwait. This is uh, okay. Wow. You know what? This is going to be a bit complicated. So I'm going to make it short. <laughs> okay. I basically lived. <laughs> I basically lived in Lebanon, Paris, uh, Gabon, a bit of uh, Senegal, Dakar, because my father is born there. I used to go a lot to Kuwait because my mother lived there. Then I lived in Amsterdam for three years. And then what else? I lived in France again, back in Lebanon again. 
yeah, I think that's that's in the back of us again. Yeah. <laughs> wow. like that. So so basically I lived in so in the US, in Africa, in Lebanon, in France, in Holland. Wow. Jeez. This is to make it simple. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's the simple version. Oh, my God. Were you into music at a young age? Was there a lot of music in the house as you're traveling, going to all these places? Are you you experiencing different types of music? Well, definitely not, because my dad always been... Well, when I started living, I started living with my dad when I was 11. Okay. My dad always had this mentality... As in, like, you know what? To make it in life, you know what? Fuck studies. Who gives a shit about studies? Okay. Who gives a shit about anything else? All you need to do is find yourself a good business and run it. You know, this is a really Middle Eastern and, and like, very Mediterranean kind of mentality. You know, very Italian mafia. (laughs) (laughs) Why you do this? Why you have to do this? Why do you want to put me in this? You want to break my heart? You have to take the family. You know, this kind of. That kind of of mentality. Oh, wow. So basically, when I started doing music, when I was 14, I got my first guitar, and I wanted to do, like, Nirvana. I wanted to be Kurt Cobain, like, all the idiots of my age. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And I started with that. And then one day when I was around 16, so basically I used to listen to a lot of music. I used to go to music stores and... And just like listen to CDs and to uh, pirate cassettes. Yep. And while well, pirating had nothing to do with pirating, pirating, pirating today. Back then it was more like that meant that it wasn't on a label and it was unreleased through a label. It was just some some unknown version of a song or previously unreleased version of bootlegs. Yeah. And stuff like that, but it wasn't the piracy that you know. Right? Yeah, it was. I, I used to get the same thing. It was uh, uh, my big thing was finding like the demos of whatever yeah. band I loved. Exactly, that was piracy. Yeah. So basically, you came to the guy and you told him, like, the, the records. Hey man, he has like this uh, previously unreleased song. <laughs> this band, and like the guy would look left and right, and he said wait here and it's just like <laughs> go right under the car, bring up like a huge like a huge thing with a lot of cassettes and a lot of cds of like you've never heard of of your favorite band like oh my god they did a cover for kiss oh holy shit god. oh man you know you and i are actually fairly close in age uh, i was born in 73 so so i i know exactly what you nirvana and and pearl jam and all hit in my like my senior my senior year of high school first freshman year of college and yeah. i would you know i got a, got a car me and my buddies got a, got cars and the first thing we would do they had record shows in the u.s and what what they would do is it would be just all these vendors and instead of secretly stashing the albums like you leaks it under a counter they would be wide out in the open being like hey here's my here's my bootlegs i've got you know uh Nirvana live at in, in Seattle, nineteen eighty nine. Here's a CD of it. You know, Led Zeppelin live, yeah, nineteen seventy six. Exactly. And they would just. I mean, they're expensive, especially yes. for the time, because you know you're, you're talking 
a regular CD would be like what between fifteen to seventeen bucks. You know, a bootleg would be like twenty five for a single disc. Definitely. And uh, uh, yeah, definitely. But that's that's where I would find them. And then uh, they had all these magazines where in the back the ads they had they would have like yeah contact us for a list of live and demo recordings and so. Yeah, we had that in France. That was that was a great time for for music. I know. I mean, maybe the bands didn't like it, but as, as a listener, searching for that stuff was half the fun of it. You know, honestly, for the listen, I, you know what you see, like maybe the bands didn't like it, but in honesty, this is this is the philosophy that made me want to become a musician. Okay, and I was hoping I was hoping it would still be here. Like you know, this to feel that what you do music music wise if you get if one day you get fans or like and they're really into you and they think of the idea of finding something that is like oh my god never heard of and and like uh, never seen from you and like they're one of the few who got to buy it or see it and they go just like oh this is so insane and this is so exciting yes i think this that must like as a musician that must be a beautiful feeling that must be really really amazing I didn't think um, of it that way. Well, you know, I'm going to give you an example. I had, um, it's, it's far later what I'm going to say. I like backbone party. We had, um, my first band. So we got the, the, the album bear Utopia out. And then one day, one day, I swear to God, I like, I was just typing on Google, you know, backbone party to see how we were, um, the how we were referentiated on on google and we're right. like it's like i was curious and, and i see uh pirate bay yeah and i was like what the fuck what yeah. pirate bay what the hell what do you mean pirate bay and uh, i saw our album on pirate bay somebody <laughs> actually seated our album on pirate bay i was so fucking psyched man. <laughs> It's so fucking awesome. We're being pirated, guys. This is so good. Yeah. <laughs> this is so fucking cool. Oh, man. Oh, this is so good. That's and awesome. the feeling is amazing because that means, basically, that means the way I take it is that the guy, for example, really liked the band and thought about just basically sharing it. This is yeah. like, this was my first reaction. There's a very big difference between this mentality and um and stream uh, and then streaming today spotify and all that spotify is basically telling you you know what piracy is not that bad as long as we we make money out of it yeah exactly that's the very big difference so now people yeah it's really it's you know i remember when metallica gave shit to napster yep i was so i was so pissed off i was so i was so pissed off i was like dudes you're killing you're you're actually killing the concept of cassettes that we used to record for friends, yeah, and make mixtapes and stuff like that, and we used to exchange to each other. Yep, that was a logical that was a logical evolution, and it was not that bad if it cut maybe ten percent of your sales. It's it's not a big deal. Well, it's not a big deal now that they won against Napster. Look at the world we are in today. Now there's a system of streaming. That makes that nobody is actually buying anything. Not a single, not an EP, not a not a CD, nothing at all. Only people who are above thirty-five are buying. Yeah. The rest, 
You ask them, whoa, did you buy any music this month? Buy music? Who buys music, man? Exactly. Are you crazy? I'm not going to buy music. So I'm going to stream it from YouTube or I'm going to stream it from Spotify and all that shit. Exactly. So instead of in, in, instead of knocking out that, like you said, that 10% and, and keeping it for themselves, they've actually knocked music into being more of a passive thing where you're 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 putting it on the background because you can stream it for nothing you don't have to worry about going out and buying an album you like exactly that's it's like radio they've devalued it yeah definitely and the main dif- the main difference with radio is while radio has you know for example you've got uh, i think socap in the u.s mm-hmm. uh, that will protect you for example if your song goes on the radio, if it goes on maybe 10 times during the day, well, you're going to get paid for the 10 times the song passed on the radio. Okay. You don't have anything like this for streaming. Well, you're paid 0.007 cents per click. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. So to, come on. To make any money at all, it's got to be streamed millions of times. Exactly. And if you want to make a living out of it, it's got to be, yeah, and minimum. How many artists get their music streamed millions of times in a year, let alone, you know, a, a month to make any actual money. You know, I think it was Lady Gaga. I've got to check it out again. Lady Gaga, who said that she made through streaming when her um, monster album was released. Mm-hmm. First month, she made $200. <laughs> wow. I've got to look, I got to check it again, but it's a really low thing. Like some Portishead, when they put their albums, all of their albums on streaming, the first year they made $2,000. Wow. This is one of my favorite bands I'm talking about. Yeah. And now, uh, I, I don't know if you saw the news, but My Bloody Valentine just put their stuff up on the streaming services. Yeah. So they'll probably make hundreds of dollars now too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> This is really sick. Yeah. I mean, for example, I, if I sell this, if I now I saw an album on internet, if I sell it through Bandcamp, this is why I go through Bandcamp and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And usually I, I, I promote Spotify much later because, because honestly, as an artist, we, we really can't live off of Spotify. Right. Uh, on Bandcamp, somebody buys, I mean, even buys the EP for five euros. I mean, five euros, that's what? That's like, <laughs> holy shit. Like two yeah. And if they're going to buy it, buy it on a Friday. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Buy it on a Friday. Because I, like, I, I love it when Bandcamp does those Bandcamp Fridays and waves all their fees. That was a really smart move by them. That it, was an amazing move by it them. It was, because I don't limit my purchases to Fridays for, for Bandcamp, but I do do more purchasing on Fridays. Yeah. Because it's it's a win-win. Yeah, it helps the artists and, you know, makes Bandcamp look really good. Yeah. All right, so I want to try to piece together some of of this here. So when did you actually start writing your own music and playing in bands? I mean, were you doing stuff before Backbone Party? Yeah, well, uh, um, so when I was 16, around 16, 17, I discovered, uh, okay, I used to think, oh, I really need to be in a band. I really, really, oh, shit, I don't have a band. And I loved doing music, like taking my guitar and just writing some songs. And yeah, But I wish I had drums behind me and bass and all that and et cetera and everything that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Then one day I discovered 
some guy called Trent Reznor. No, ah, just some weird guy. Yes. So, and I discovered like some small album called Downward Spiral or something, or you know, never heard of it. Something not, yeah, something really minor. You yeah. Know? And, <laughs> and then I discovered that album. And I was like, just so fucking blown away. I was like, oh my God, this is really, really, really good. This is, this is everything I, I'd ever want to do. Like this kind of, of music. And then, then I went to look at the credits and I saw that basically he was doing everything on most of the songs. And like, there was a few featurings, but not much. Right. And then this is where it hit me. I was like, dude, do it all. Start, start it music by yourself you know yeah like believe in yourself and you can do it who cares and that was my first big um epiphany composing music is that basically i can start composing alone and that was that was huge that was really huge for me it, it's got a different course now it's a, now that i've got more experience in composing the feel of composing alone is completely different than the one of composing with a band. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Got, got absolutely nothing to do. It's, uh, <laughs> it's completely different. But, but this is where it really started, when I was 16. So then I got, like, back when I was 16, so we're talking about 1995, 1996. I started, the, um, like, um, computer and, and uh, music was, well, it wasn't really good yet. It wasn't, the sounds were pretty bad on MIDI, so yeah. MIDI was out of push. And while everything that had to do with high frequency conversion and all that were not that good, the converters were not amazing, but at least you could do something. You could do multi-track recording. You could do a lot of um, sound design and a lot of things. So this is basically how I started. Okay. So there. <laughs> okay, that was maybe a longer answer then. <laughs> no, no, man. That's, that's that's the stuff I want to know. So, all right. How did you how did you uh, kind of form the foundations of Backbone Party? Where did you meet those guys? Who was involved? And when did you start playing uh, together? So in, in two thousand seven, when I arrived in France, I decided, you know what? Fuck all this. I'm I'm really going to start aiming far with music. And I had I had already recorded. Personally, I did like a demo of, I don't know, five or six songs. Okay. Or no, actually it was more with, with quite a few ideas on the side. And I, it was all homemade and it was terrible recording. And, <laughs> but the idea was there. The idea was there. So I, so I did this um, sort of Craigslist for musician uh, in France and, and some guys answered and I just like, Met which with each guy with a drummer, with a with a, a keyboardist, with a with a bassist even, and with a guitarist and, and all that. And and this is basically the way I got to know the guys. Okay. With the demo, I mean, like I put the demo online and I said, okay, this is the music that I want to do. This is what I plan on doing. If you guys are on board, let's do that. Okay. How did you come up with the name Backbone Party? Oh, that's from a cartoon I did um, in 2006. Well, in 2005. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, I was, yeah, I was, um, okay, I did uh, audiovisual studies in Lebanon. Okay. And uh, for my, for my uh, diploma, I did an animated movie, animated film. Oh. Cool. Uh, which, which is called, which is called The Hole. 
And it's uh, basically the story of um, of a puppet, of a world of puppets. And there's this puppet girl who noticed something that she doesn't have, which is a belly button, which is a navel. Okay. And, and, and it really disturbs her, basically, that she doesn't have a navel, and that nobody else, nobody has a navel, except people who decide to tattoo a navel. That she decided that she wanted absolutely to tattoo a navel. Okay. Like, she really wants something that proves that she is born the natural way. It's, it's, okay. Even if she's not, but... It's, it's a whole. It's it's a movie about about identity, basically. And during the movie, I'm not going to tell. It's it's well. It's a 15 minute, minute movie. I'm not going to just go through everything that happens in it. But basically, there's this um, political party that makes a huge speech at a rally, and this political party is called Backbone Party. Oh, cool. okay. And it's and it's held and and the politician that makes the whole speech. Is some guy who does not have a spine, just articulate and held by other guys. Okay. So this comes from Backbone Party. Oh, cool. Okay. How did you get Ted nicely involved in Backbone Party? Because he's a pretty big name in, in the world of music, you know, with yeah. Fugazi and all. How did you How did you meet up with him and get him involved in the recording of Backbone Party's album? So huge balls and dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> This is all I can say. That's great. It was it was back in MySpace. Uh, we we recorded a demo with the band. Like we went, you know what? Let's do it really professional and really clean. And mm-hmm. it wasn't professional. It wasn't clean, but it was okay. <laughs> we just <laughs> homemade. Well, at least it sounded like something. And we put it on MySpace. And then um, I remember talking to um, our pseudo manager back then. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into detail about mm-hmm. that, but he um, uh, basically suggested, you know what, why don't you look for a, um, well, we call it in France, director uh, artistique, an artistic director, mm-hmm. basically, okay. which is, the, or a réalisateur artistique, which is basically, what, okay, these are the cows. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the first cow I've had on the podcast. Really? I think okay, so. Now you're going to have a few, I think. <laughs> That's a lot of cows. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Yeah, that's a lot of cows. (laughs) (laughs) Another podcast first. Okay, so we're talking about rock music and serious shit. (laughs) Not some kind of video clip or something. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, cows. Shut up. Damn it, cows. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, just... <laughs> so he said, you know what? If there are, like, um, producers... Well, so basically, uh, in, in English, I guess we simply say producer. Uh, check out the producers of band you really like. Like, from French bands, maybe, or from from the bands you listen to. Okay. And I know that I, like, I was really... I was I knew the kind of sound I wanted. So for example, I knew that I wasn't going to like I wasn't going to aim from for anything that sounded really industrial because I didn't want the industrial sound. I thought it would be better to do something that was very raw rock and roll sounding. Okay. Like pretty heavy, pretty dirty, gritty sound even like something that makes it simple and and just like bursting with energy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was looking, and I was in, in a and like there's this French band called Noir Désir. Yes, uh, yes, into them. Yeah, they used to be huge back then. Before a very bad incident that we're not going to talk about right now, <laughs> I think you've heard of it. Uh, uh, yeah, we only wanted yeah. to bring that up. Yeah, you know, there was this great band called Noir Désir. Let's yeah. talk about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I noticed that on two albums. Uh, there was this, um, this producer that was in French and, uh, and I looked him up and it's two albums, two of my favorite albums of Noir Désir that I consider that was really above the rest, like really above the rest. Um, like for example, the rest I would say was, was pretty good. And then there was these two albums where I would go, Oh wow, these are really good. These sound really good. Right. And I noticed it's the same producer. Anyway, sit nicely. So I, I Googled him up. And I noticed that he had a MySpace. And I was like, nah, you know what? This is stupid. Why would I even send something? The guy is going to laugh at my face. Basically, or he's not even going to answer. That's the best, best case scenario. He's not going to answer. Worst case scenario, he's just going to make fun of it. Right. But then, like, basically, I just man, manned up and I sent him the demo. I said, you know what? I really, really love your work and it's amazing. And, Please, please, here, like, we're not worthy. <laughs> I know your opinion. Hey, doggy. There's a dog. All right. I would look... No, there's a dog. Yeah, you're in the countryside. <laughs> look, look, she's crazy. Oh she's not even mine. Gosh, she loves you. She's Holy... not even mine. No. <laughs> oh, my okay, gosh, sorry. she loves you. Yeah, I don't know why. It's always like that when I see her. <laughs> no, I'm my headphones. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. So uh, basically, ba- basically, uh, this is when I sent um, the the demo to Ted, and uh, and he and like like what one week later, he sent me a message saying, "Dude, this song is so fucking awesome." Like saying talking about Beerutopium. Okay. Uh, one of the songs. He said, I really, really like this song. This is really good, but I don't see what I can do exactly on it because all, because the production is basically good, but like production not in the recording, but as in the way we did it. Right. Arranging and said, and... Yeah, the arrangement. I don't see what I could really do on it. But, uh, but you know what? Uh, let me think about it. And then he came back to me, if I remember correctly. No, I, I told, oh, I forgot how it went. Uh, <laughs> basically, well, basically, he said, you know what? Here are my fees. This is what I can do. This is what I would do. And I'm ready to come over. And wow. I talked with the band and we talked about it. And he came over and he slept at my <laughs> at my studio. <laughs> <laughs> my small flat in Paris. Oh, that's and, awesome. uh, and, yeah, and that's the way it went. It, it was really an insane moment in my life. Well, that was like I was like walking on air. It was like it was so, crazy. It's a great album. I, Thank I you. just loved listening to. It. I mean, SC Lily. Uh, I think, although I think my favorite song is Charm Mutations. Love that song. I've been listening to it constantly. 
it's That's so awesome. good. Um, is there so is there a theme running through that album? Because it seems that, that there's something connecting everything together. Huh, good. I'm glad. That, yeah, that you heard it. Oh, there is. So, all right, tell me about what's, what's, what binds that whole album together. I said, tell um, me about okay. I did it again. I said, tell me what binds this. What is, <laughs> I hate saying that. You know, you know re, wait, first, regarding Ted, actually, you have to know that Baritopia, once we did it with Ted, it's honestly, it's a million times better than what we sent him. And I don't see like how he even <laughs> said, oh, yeah, this is really awesome. Dude, you made it awesome. It's like, like it's like this song's got nothing to do anymore. It's, it's, it's really insane. <laughs> he did really an amazing, amazing, amazing job. I really want to stress on, on what he did on the album. Oh, that's awesome. Like if people think, like people think today, and I'm the first one to say it, if you can do it yourself, you're yourself. But to have a professional external ear on something that you're doing, like from some guy who has like, we used to call him bat ears because he can hear every single thing that's wrong with your mix, that's wrong with your tuning. Wow. He can hear, like, like everybody's playing all together. He's going to say, ah, the, ah the, the bass drum is out of tune. Like wow. what? The bass, dude, what do you mean the bass drum is out of tune? <laughs> doesn't sound right to me. Could you like, yeah, yeah, turn it up like one quarter, just like quarter up. Like, okay, the drummer just says that, and all of a sudden, it just sounds amazing. And we're like, okay. Wow. All right. No, no, he's got, he's got really, really, really a special ear. Man. So, something I really want to, I want to stress on. All right. And that, things you'll never think about when you're composing. Stuff that, that will never come to mind. That's and what plus, he's there you know, for. we were, yeah, exactly. We're, you know, we're, we were a five-piece band, and as five piece bands, we have a tendency to make really complicated and convoluted arrangements. <laughs> he would come over and he would basically come with, with a, how do you call it? You know, the knife for butchers? Oh, uh, yeah. He the cleaver. The cleaver and say, you know, you know, fuck this. You know, chop this off. Chop this. this <laughs> why are you playing that? What are you even doing? <laughs> no, because it's not really cool. No, throw it. Okay, okay. <laughs> We're not worthy. We're not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, no, it was like it was it was game changing. Honestly, it was really insane. Well, so yeah, uh, you were the, we were back on the. Um, oh, you were talking about the uh, themes in in Beirutopia. The themes in Beirutopia, yeah. Well, it's um, it's basically uh, it's basically got to do with me leaving Lebanon. Okay. So, Wait, wait, one second, one second. Oh, he's attacking my cat. <laughs> Idiot, the dog. Hey, hey, hey. The dog strikes back. <sighs> Shit, excuse me, I'm really sorry. One second. No problem, man. Take your time. Wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> my, uh, my wife is taking care of the dog. Okay. <laughs> I'll sit I'll sit down in the sun. She followed me all the way from the road. I must have seen the road in the road just here, see, quoi. She's crazy. Look at this. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's carrying anyway, her like a baby. Yeah, but it is a baby. <laughs> well, okay, I'm I'm really sorry. Now I'm oh, gonna be no, more concentrated. No worries, man. Well, okay. Co concept of Beritopia, well, Utopia, Beritopia. So it's basically got to do with um, 
with the utopia of the idea of what the country you live in, you see it through your eyes and what it really is and what you really wish it would be. That's basically the concept. Okay. And after the shit that happened in 2006, I was so pissed and I was so sad and I was, I was torn in like so many different emotions. Yeah. And I was feeling a lot of guilt from leaving. This is what charmentations, by the way, is about. It's about the guilt of leaving and feeling like shit oh. when you're leaving your your home country and the country is going like it's going down the drain, and you're just like going selfishly saying, "You know what? I'm going to do my life elsewhere." Yeah. Sharmuta uh, in Arabic means whore. Ah. Oh. Charmutations. Charmutations is like uh, uh, how, how you call it. Portmanteau. Uh, portmanteau word like, oh, okay uh, yeah portmanteau yeah it's, so it's so you're combining uh, two words exactly so yeah. mutations it's got something to do also with movement you know the mutations the movement the sharmuta so sharmuta okay so yeah there's a couple songs with portmanteaus on the album like Beirutopium yeah. and exactly in famous Stafa. Sounds like you guys had a lot of fun doing them. You got some yeah. great stuff here. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, this was this was really, you know, Show Mutations has a very spe- special thing to the whole band because um, it's one of the it's one of the, the songs that we really like with Beirutopium, by the way. Beirutopium and Show Mutations are the two songs that are completely composed during. Um, during jam jamming during a jamming session oh cool like as in for example charmutations the drummer was happy with a pattern and we're like okay you know what here's and all of a sudden something was coming up and the guitars came in and, and i did start doing something then i started putting some vocals just going la 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 mm-hmm. and like there was this moment during that jam session i recorded it for two hours wow like there was just this 30 seconds and i when i was re-listening to it and i was like holy shit there's a song there like there's there's something that we can do just wow. right there just at that spot and, and we started constructing the song during that jam session wow two so hours that, you, you plucked out 30 seconds out of that two hours to yeah. make a song that's all because they, they, like honestly it sounded really fun the whole two hours really sounded fun but there was one part where it was like really there was a song that was really appearing yeah you know like, you know, you know that when something, everything clicks all of a sudden, you're like, oh, here it is. Yeah. And you feel it. That's... Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it's it, was, it was really beautiful. Wow. It's, the whole album is, is really awesome. It reminds me of, of like a like a pop lead itself kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. So the, I didn't the, think of that way. the slightly electronic heaviness... Like, mm-hmm. like you know, you, you feel a, a little bit of the Trent Reznor influence there, but more focus on the rock aspect of everything than, than the electronic, which is, which yeah. to me is what pop elite itself was, was about. Yeah. 
But then, yeah. then you did a solo project, uh, Murmuration. Yeah, so was definitely. We was Backbone Party still active at that point, or did you just decide to do that on your own, or were they? Was it? Was Backbone Party done? So, yeah. So Backbone Party went through some really, really harsh phases. Uh, phases um, towards the end of the project. Okay. And I guess I guess we can say that when, like, when you start feeling that the band members are not into it anymore as much or are really frustrated because they don't feel things are going at it like moving forward better and you you feel a sort of frustration in the air a sort of tension then one started one had a kid and the other one had um another um really awesome uh he got accepted in a really awesome school of uh electronic music this is and and the music is really amazing by the way that he does alex Okay. Uh, so you start, you start thinking, you know what? It's hard to keep the band. So might as well just like put it in the freezer. Okay. This is a bit what happened. Um, doesn't mean like we still talk together and we we love we love getting a uh, getting together and having beers together and mm-hmm. we're still we're still really close. We're, uh, we're a really close uh, band, but basically musically it's. it's, it's Plus, right now, it makes everything it makes everything really complicated. So, well, you know, it, it's better to recognize that and call it quits than to you know, destroy friendships. Yeah, to keep it together. Fine. Yeah, that's that's what I think. So, I, I think it was the best thing to do. And and you know what, we just basically thought, you know what, let's let's uh, release the album, make a nice promo around the well, try to make something nice around the album. So, okay. We did our best, but we're really not pros of um, communication. So, right. <laughs> so basically, maybe what like a thousand people heard of it. Yeah. I don't know, not maybe a bit more, but it, but it was really not like the promo- the um, promotion was was terrible. Ah. So, but but it's okay. We're still really proud of the album. We're we're proud of what we did, we accomplished, and we learned a lot. I know that I I learned so much it was crazy i'm and, sure um, i mean yeah now and working with ben once again was was uh yeah it was a revelation for me to i i, I have another ear on what i compose and what i do ever since well it's, it's really see so you make, you got a good friend out of it in addition to making yeah. some great music and I, I, I gotta tell you this before we i, I want to know so much more about murmurations but i have to mention this that cover that Backbone Party did, uh, Movements in a Lifetime, the LCD sound system and, and Talking Heads Cross, that blew my mind. That was amazing. We find yourself waking up in another country. We ask yourself, what does that high world really tell yourself, am I right? Am I wrong? As soon as you sent that to me, I have I have sent that YouTube video to so many people to check it out. Oh, excellent! It is unbelievable. I'm gonna. How did you guys figure 
that one out? How did you how did you end up combining LCD sound system and the talking heads? You know, you know, honestly, um, I don't think I, I think personally, I remember singing the lyrics to uh, to um, uh, Once, Once in a, a Lifetime, lifetime. On, on the movements of um, of the LCD sound system. And I was like, you know, the way he goes, uh, it's like a na 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 to the city, you know, the, yeah. the way he does it. And I don't know why all of a sudden I say, you may find yourself. And I, <laughs> really, and I just imagined it. It was like, hey, guys. This would be fucking awesome. And like, and, and like we, we sat during rehearsal and at the beginning was all in your face. And I don't know, I think it was, um, I think it was the drummer or um, who started, you know what, let's, let's take it real slow. Let's, you know, let's ramp it up. And like, he started doing something like, just like on the hi-hat that was really low key. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden the guitarist Patrick started coming in and it sounded just so fucking amazing. Like, everything was ramping up ramping up ramping up up till like to a point where it, it was just it was sounding perfect and there was like this personally i had a huge space because i do have um uh, nick cave influence mm-hmm. i had a huge space for for acting out what i'm singing and for like really living it living the moment right. and it was uh, ah it was no nah, it was great and plus the recording you're hearing is um uh, without the vocals, it's a uh, one-shot. Wow. It's a one-shot recording. That's... Like, we basically, we were all in the same booth. We were all with our headphones, and we were all playing uh, one-shot, yeah. So the music is just one take. Yeah, wow. it's one take, and then I added the vocals. That's incredible. That was I would fun. never that would have guessed that. Fun. I never would have yeah. guessed that. That's It just sounds so good. Oh, I'm really happy. You know, this is this is one our uh, this is one of our like this is very representative of Backbone Party. The way we um, we had a really great chemistry. It was a beautiful chemistry and and, and nice energy that was going together. That was like a real bulldozer. Like, yes. I don't know how. It was, uh, it was really cool. Um, uh, you know, you're, you're gonna make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> a Backbone Party reunion. Cool. No, it was, you know what? Someday, I think I think we could do that someday. We that, gotta, we gotta see. How we that would be, as long as you record it and either do move into the lifetime or make a new mashup because that was just a, yeah, that was so great. All right, so Thank I want to. Awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy. But I want to know more about murmuration because that is so. It's so different from Backbone Party, but it's I I read the information yes. you sent to me about it, and it's just unbelievable it's it's a project based on the mechanics of memory can you explain that mm. so that uh, you know people who don't have the the luxury of contacting you and getting that sheet you sent me you can understand it <laughs> it's uh well so backbone party was over and we had um and basically when when i started backbone party i never rested ever since I got in France, ever since the end of the war in Lebanon. Well, I fled the attack of Israel in 2006, uh, during the summer of 2006. Right. And it was a really hard time. It was, I'm not going to go in full details, but it was a crazy moment in my life. And I had to start my life over again in Paris. And when I started over my life, this is when I decided, while I was looking for a job and while I was working in a hotel, that I'm going to start a band, and this is Backbone Party. Mm-hmm. Then we founded Backbone Party, and then when when there was this band, and we were playing, and I was basically 
making 16 hour work days. So like eight hours, eight to 10 hours at work. Then I would rehearse with the guys or I would be composing at home. And this was my life for, I don't know, four years. Wow. Like four or five years. So when Backbone Party, when we finally released the album, I think something snapped in me. And basically I did a sort of burnout, like a huge burnout, like very, like the, the, the backlash was really heavy. The, the toll was really heavy on me. Yeah. So I went into this a bit down moment in my life. Okay. And it turns out that the problems were not stopping there. Um, my father had a, a brain disease, which is, um, um, how do you call it? Uh, normal pressure hydrocephalus, and which made him have, like, be stuck in loops of memories. For example, he would tell you, what time is it? And you would tell him it's 4 o'clock. And he said, oh, okay, already 4 o'clock. And then, like, two minutes later, what time is it? And he said, I just told you, it's like 4 o'clock. And he says, oh, okay, all right. And then he would repeat it, and he would stay wow. in a loop. And, and everything would be a loop. Every single thing you would say to him. And, and th these, like, these years were part of the hardest I ever had. Um, uh, yeah. It was really, really hard because I I wasn't living in Lebanon, so I went I went there and like try to be there for him and do the best I could with him. Okay. And yeah, it, it inspired me to do murmuration. And since he had water, like normal normal pressure hydrocephalus is basically spinal um, spinal fluid. Okay. I think that was making a pressure on his brain. Uh, and and this was making this was damaging and this was this would make him have a have no short-term memory so he would keep on repeating the same things okay so i decided that murmuration would be that would be the concept so everything that has to do with something extremely fluid uh, i wanted it to sound really organic at the same at the same time mechanically playing on loops. So everything you hear starts off with a loop from the guitar, for example, and I just built upon it. And the first track of Murmuration, this is what it is exactly. It's a loop that I recorded, a long loop. And above this loop, I started recording other loops of guitar and other loops and other loops and other loops, and it built up. Okay. So there's, so I was always playing with this concept all along all the songs. around this um this loop okay um, with the album was it designed or, or conceived as a as a live show first or as an album first because you've performed it live and it's yeah it, i've seen clips of it and it's amazing because it's an it's a multimedia audio visual experience it's incredible thanks uh there there, there are two versions there's the one with alex with when he, Alex was the drummer of Backbone Party. Right. And he did the visuals that you see where there are two screens. There's one in front of me and there's one in front of him. Okay. And he's basically doing the visuals uh, live 
on his computer while I'm playing the music. Right, right. On the one that I'm doing solo, I basically programmed some of it, well, programs. I went through a program and I threw in some visuals that were uh, affected in real time by, by what I was playing. So all I had to do is project them and I would play and every, everything would be affected by the guitar, the the drum machine, or the vocals, and it would affect the visuals that you had behind me. Okay, what I found fascinating is what you're what you're mentioning is that there's a limited number of loops that you're doing, and to have the music move forward, you have to remove one to create yeah. and create something new, which I, yeah. I find fascinating. It goes along with you know the whole concept that to be the most creative, you have to give yourself boundaries. Yeah, exactly. This was this was my boundary for this uh, this album. So that was the, the the whole concept was locked on that. It's fascinating to me. Is are the uh, performances a lot of improvisation? Or are they based on the songs on the album? A little bit of both. Oh yeah, the per- performance. Uh, well, the first the first time I did a performance, yeah, it didn't it didn't go too well because um, <laughs> oh no, I, yeah. Because it's it's really complicated when you have to think a lot about a lot of things at the same time. Oh yeah. So you can't really put yourself into the perf- performance the way you want to. But the second the second and third time were pretty. No, I was pretty happy with them. The thing is, I created the perf- the idea of the performance was that I'm not like uh, I didn't want it to be, you know, one of these pure electro performances where the guy basically you know what you're gonna have you know you're gonna like whatever you're going to play, there's always a safety button you can press and everything will just go on a straight track and you've got a pre-recorded track waiting for you and just in case something goes wrong and you can do a lot of things for it not to fuck up. When you're doing something that's half rock rock, um, and just normal performance as in singing, guitar, bass, or something like that, Mixed with computers, I wanted to find a way that made it sound as spontaneous and unexpected as a rock rock concert. Like basically, if I wanted a part to be longer than usual, then I could do it. If I wanted to pause, I could do it. If if I was going to make a mistake, well, it's going to sound like a mistake, and that's it. And, and yeah, and live through it. And if I wanted to sing a bit differently, I could do it. And and this is how I created the the concept. I made. I made sure that every piece that was um, looped or that I was playing looped or that I was creating or et cetera, that there was a way that I could just, you know, I could make it last longer. I could sing above that. I could stop it. I could like restart it or go through something else. And, and it will always sound very organic and not really, you know, just like when you basically press play on a computer or something. Right. So it's, it's, it's more organic constitution. Okay. In Backbone Party and Memorations, there's something with the number eight. You've got Room oh. Eight in on, on Beritopia. You've got the song Eight on Memorations, and there's oh. eight tracks on the album. True. Is there oh. any is is there any conscious reason for this, or is this just coincidental? Honestly, it's coincidental. <laughs> I swear. To God. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I'm just seeing. No, things. you know why? Because room eight, room eight, the hotel I was working in, uh, Paris. The first hotel I was working in when, uh, and I was working first as as a night shift guy. The room eight was the room we used to give to hookers. 
<laughs> ah, charm mutation. So there's got, and there's yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm going to tell you a secret. The Berutopia was supposed to be called Beirut Hotel. This oh, was wow. the first. This was the first name of the album. Then all of a sudden, I started seeing that there was a Tokyo Hotel, then there was I don't know what hotel, and uh, another band called Something Hotel, and another album Something Hotel. So you know what? Fuck hotels. <laughs> 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 so this is why it's not called. But basically, the concept was was a huge hotel, uh, huge uh, how you call it? Uh, you know, hotel a hotel for hookers. Uh, oh, um... I forgot the name. Um, Bordello or something. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. The, yeah, that, that was that was a bit the concept. Okay. Um, it was supposed to go in that concept, mixed with politics, you know, mixed with war, mixed with, you know, it's it, it was a huge allegory of, um, of that. Uh, you could say most but, most uh, political establishments are hotels for hookers. Exactly. Uh, they're all for sale. That was the idea. That's exactly it. Uh, songs like like Eight and Your Jade, My Loss are, are incredible. I love it, but I think ah, cool. I think my favorite is Sunrise and Repeat. I mean, thank you. The other ones, I love when like some feedback or a screeching noise comes in because sometimes I can't tell if it's like a guitar feedback or if it's something electronic. It's it it's that's a credit to the organic nature of it. I I can't distinguish, but I love the sound. But sunrise that's and awesome. sunrise and repeat is softer, gentle, more organic until the very end. But until the very end. But yeah. I do, I I love it. It's just it's just kind of it's a beautiful way to end the album. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's yeah, it's a special one for me. I wanted something I really, after this, the album is really, a, um, I'm not going to say a downward spiral, but I think really high. <laughs> really well, I wouldn't dare say that. No, no. <laughs> well, he's an, av- he's an avid listener of the podcast, so you'd probably best you don't. Oh, really? No, not really. I, I don't think he <laughs> knows it exists at all. Well, but... if ever, my name is Rabiash uh, Baby, and uh, hi, and I would like to, uh, I really <laughs> would maybe, be maybe... interested in working one day with Trent Reznor, you know, who knows? Maybe we can get you guys together. You can collaborate. That's, that's my specialty, getting people together. <laughs> I love that. No, I, w- I would. I would appreciate that. I would think that would. Be- <laughs> I think there was a little bit of a break between Murmuration and Mondo Khan, right? Yeah. So, what were you doing a, in yeah. that time frame? Uh, after Murmuration, well, there wasn't a huge break, was there? No, actually, there was five years. Yeah, four, could... four years, four years, I think. Was it? No, I forgot. No, <laughs> there, no, there, yeah, I agree. There was a while. There, there was there was a bit of time. Um, Did, I think. Well, I, I I moved to another city in France called Limoges. Okay. And in Limoges, we were starting. Um, I wanted to start another band. And I wanted to do something, 
something a bit different. At the beginning, I was thinking even to do a um, power trio, but with um, me at the bass and singing and with two drummers. Oh, and wow. I, wanted to just, I really wanted to do that. That's awesome. And, and that, was, that was a concept I really, really wanted to do. And I found two of the best drummers I've ever worked with, two amazing guys. And who were, yeah, they were, they seemed fairly into the idea, but they didn't know exactly what, like, where I wanted to go with it. And basically, I guess this, this is where it was a bit my fault, is that I was more into the idea of let's jam and record what we're jamming and see where it brings us. And I really wanted to recreate what I did with what the band Backbone Party, what we all did with Shell Mutation, Shell Mutations, okay. which is basically record a whole jam session. And when you like, when it really picks up, like just re-listen to it and, th- and say, oh, okay, there's this part. This could be the beginning of the song and start constructing from then building over that. Okay. I really wanted to do that, but yeah. it didn't work with them but i did it for a really long time and, and we tried really long and basically nothing fruitful came out of uh, the project so meanwhile i tried different projects with with um with people in, in mush okay that really didn't really work out and um meanwhile i was thinking more and more of doing a band in french Okay. I thought, you know what? Let's just try something different. I've I've never written French. I never sang in French, and I and I thought it was a huge and it's a very complicated, very hard language to sing. I find. Oh really? I think it's wow. it's really difficult to make it sound correct, sound nice. Okay. It's really yeah. It's a, especially in rock music. If you're gonna sing something that is more spoken word, for example, it's amazing. It's an amazing uh, um, uh, language for spoken word. Right. For singing, it sounds very, uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard to get something sounding really good with it. Okay. That's what comes to mind. I noticed that with French and gangster rap. Yeah. I haven't heard that. That works really like, well. That doesn't, I'm like, this doesn't sound as menacing as like the guys out of Compton. Uh, no, I'm going to send you a few things. You'll see that it does. Oh, cool. All <laughs> no, right. No, no, no. Oh, really? No, no, really. If you ever listen to um, uh, Supreme and Dem or, um, well, I'm going to send you a few links. All right. No, cool. you've got some things that are, that are really, really, really good. And, uh, and plus a really well designed loop patterns in the background that are like in the music that sounds really good they're, they're they can get closer to um to guys like um oh, how is he called um the guy who died not long ago um um uh doom um oh and, mf doom yeah okay they're gonna have like they're gonna create this type of pattern this kind of flow and but with a much more aggressive um vocals and right. it sounds I'll no it, it sounds out. really good I'll check it out. No, I think honestly, uh, yeah, I'll send you a few links. They, cool. they sound really aggressive and it's got a real big, heavy meeting. Oh, cool. cool. They, they, no, it's cool. I'm, I'm really all for it. All right. So you decided you wanted to do something more focused on, on French and it's, yeah. so that's Mondo Cannon. Am I, am I pronouncing that somewhat correctly? Well, I'm Americanizing well, it. I know. You know, we were talking earlier about Faces of Death, right? Yes. Do you know the movie Mondo Cane? Yes, yes, yes. 
I, I've never seen. I'm aware of it, but I've never seen it. See it, okay. see it because it's um, it's the first it's the first Gonzo um, like filming. Uh, how do you call it? The first documentary ever made. Okay. So Faces of Death comes from this um, this movement. Okay. Mondo, okay. It's an Italian French uh, production in the '60s. Okay, and I've I've seen it, but. Been pronouncing it incorrectly the entire time. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's Mondocane, but okay. for example, in French, well, in French, when somebody asks me what's the name of my project, I say Mondocane, okay. basically. Okay. So if, for example, somebody asks in English, I would say Mondocane. I don't know. It's, so it's, it's, it's if it's I go to Italy, I'll say Mondocane. <laughs> <laughs> so is that just you, or are there other people involved in the project in in, in the music that you've recorded for it? No, for now it's just me. But it's it's open to the idea of making a band out of it. And so I, it's um, so yeah. I was, I was gonna say I like the sound of it because it's somewhere in between Backbone Party and the more electronic side of Murmuration. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad. Um, oh, I'm really glad. That means I. That means I did something like really. This is what I wanted to do. Oh, good. <laughs> this is exactly, I really wanted to do something in between the two, but but with a bit more. Um, uh, yeah, with French first of all. That was something I really wanted to try. Was this all recorded during the the whole pandemic process, or was was this started yes. beforehand? Exactly. I'm even going to show you where it was recorded. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, and this is. I'm really. I'm, I'm probably not going to do a very good job when I, if I talk about songs in particular, because I don't speak French in the least. I took Spanish in high school and that, that was a long time ago. So even my Spanish is bad. So I will do my best if I wanted to point out a specific track, but I can't promise it's going to be right. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> so the first track is great. Um, I don't need Sequay suit. See, I was so close. So close. Combien de mois pour assembler tous nos tiroirs? to um you know uh when you see these videos on internet and like these clickbait videos that say watch what happens next oh yeah you know yep wait wait and it's for a reference it. to that exactly wait for it watch what happens next and and ce qui suit is um usually the expression in french is ce qui suit va vous étonner that means what happens what what happens next is going to surprise you ah okay this is and, and and it's a it's a very very sarcastic song. It's a very dark <laughs> on politics. It's very politics driven. Okay. One. So now I wish I I spoke French because I now I want to I want to understand the lyrics. Oh, cool. I'll have to figure. Th- well, I'll send you. I'll send you the lyrics. Yes. Oh. That would be amazing. Okay. I'm just gonna say this: the English anglicized version, serendipity. Serendipity. Yeah. I that's I think that's my favorite on the album. Oh really? Oh yeah. cool. Uh, that is such a, a a 
great track. I mean, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just, I don't know. Uh, I'm at a, like, I'm coming at a loss for it right now. It's, uh... The whole album is just, I, I don't know, like I said before, it's just, I like it because it's a mix of the, the rock side of Backbone Party with, with the electronic bits of memorations mm. and you really like you did with uh lcd sound system and talking heads you you, you merged them in such sort a, of mesh yeah in, in oh. such a very successful way oh, thanks man cool i'm really really glad oh, and are you working on more uh mono yeah. music well, the, um, I'm working at, I'm actually working, I don't know if it's going to be an EP or an album, but I decided that um, from now on, I'm, if, if songs are going to be like, if I feel it in English, I'm just going to sing it in English. If it's going to be in French, I'll sing it in French. If it's in Arabic, there will be Arabic. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. So I decided that in Mandokan, I'm not going to restrain myself to anything. Awesome. Is, this, is it going to be a solo project? uh for for the foreseeable future or are you planning do you see bringing more people in as permanent members you know honestly this is um that's that's a really important point in uh in music these days for me i um i understood something not that long ago is that the best bands and the best chemistry in bands are usually a bunch of friends who don't live that far from each other who can like just, you know, hey man, look, I got this song, you want to come over and we'll just jam a bit on the guitar and just yeah. sit and have a few beers and, you know, smoke a joint and just just relax and say stupid jokes and, <laughs> I don't know, and yeah. uh, something comes up and, and all of a sudden you got an amazing song, you don't know why, it's just the chemistry is just so perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm, an, I'm at an age where this is more and more complicated. I mean, I have a lot of friends in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of friends around where I live. And I, don't, I never lived long enough in a place to have friends with whom I can build this. Ah. Backbone Party, I got really lucky with Backbone Party. This is what I think. Yeah. I really got lucky with these guys because they're amazing guys. But everybody's got his own life. And, every, and you know, when you get to this age where all of a sudden, when all of a sudden you see your friends getting married doing i don't know getting much more serious in their career like work-wise and yeah priority shift exactly but um but for example but to be i think to have like a band like a real real rock and roll band where you jam and while you're jamming something comes up and and you start building on on improv and something brings something else and all that I think it's it's really difficult for me nowadays to have that, but you never know. It can happen again if I I don't know if I get along with um, with another musician in, in such a way that it creates this this um, chemistry. I would love it. I would be crazy for it, and I would definitely want Murmuration um, to go in that in that direction. Okay. Meanwhile, I still am 
I still am the guy who did Mondekan, and I'm still am the guy who who did murmuration. Sorry, that means I'm still this guy who's introverted, infra, introverted in composing, who's who likes to have his own cocoon while he's composing, elaborating the concepts to a certain point, and then and then then I get ready to um, deliver it for other people to deform and to make it their own. Okay, you see, yeah. That's... But I still need that time first. I still need that um, that moment of um, uh, yeah of creation of of me myself wrapping my head around what I'm trying to do. And right. That usually takes a bit of time. Well, for you to form a band, you got to stay in one place long enough, man. Yes. Also, I want to ask you a question. Speaking that something just popped into my head, and you moved around a lot as a kid, and. When I was young, we moved around a lot too. And I, I was born in Texas, moved to New Jersey, moved down to Virginia, then relocated in Virginia, then moved back up to New Jersey, then up to oh, yeah. up to Upper State New York for college, down to out back to New Jersey, bent down to Alabama, then wow. back, back up to Virginia. So, do you get the feeling after you've been in one spot for a little while that it's time to go, even if there's no reason for it? Because I get that a lot. Well, right now, this is what we're thinking. Yeah. It's like, you see, this is what I was telling you a bit earlier. I was like, we were walking around. Yeah. I said, yeah, but I think we're going to leave soon. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's growing up, moving around a lot. It's just, I never feel like I, like once I feel settled and I start to grow roots, I'm like, okay, time to go. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, there's a bit of that. And I don't yeah, know if that's, that's good or bad because, you know, I, I've got kids of my own and I, I want them. Fortunately, we stayed in the same area for the past 14 mm. years. So the kids have, they've got their friends and they've been in the same schools. We've moved, we've changed houses once or twice, but, you know, they've been in the same okay. area, still have the same friends yeah. since they were little kids. But it just feels weird staying in one place for so long. <laughs> How old are they? 16, 17, and 18. Oh. So we moved up to Alabama. My daughter, my oldest was, let's see, I think three, two or three okay. or four. So we moved up from Alabama to Virginia. And we've been up here for, it'll be, I think, 14 years this, of uh, 2020, 15 years this summer. My oldest remembers some of Alabama. Uh, my son, he's in the middle. He might, but my youngest doesn't remember anything but Virginia. So, all right. Uh, I think yeah. I think it's really important. I, uh, your kids, I think, I think they're starting. Starting well. The one that's sixteen, I think it's going to be hard. Yeah. You know, if you move, I don't know. So maybe, maybe hang on a little bit more. Maybe I'll end up moving again soon. Who knows? But not before the kids are done with their height with high school. Yeah, no, I definitely understand. But it's, yeah, it's, um, it's, I don't know why. I think that when you, so you were saying that you, when, while you were growing up, you, you moved a lot. I think, yeah. I think that conditions us. That really conditions us. I think so. In, 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 um, in a good way and in, in a bad way. I remember when I was a kid, I used to, um, when I was a young teenager, I used to, uh, like, you know how we can get all emo and stupid at yeah. that age? <laughs> yeah. I was just, I used to, like, watch the Highlander movies and feel a bit like the guy. And, like, you know what? Each time I go into a new place, it's like I'm seeing people 
like get born and then they die and then I leave and you know and it's yeah. I imagine myself like a Highlander <laughs> <laughs> like who wants to live forever and like there's this queen theme each time I say goodbye to new friends and <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean you know, that stupid <laughs> there can be yeah. only one there can be only one and that will be me <laughs> Oh, uh, Robbie, th- th- thank you so much. This has been this has been great. I really, I really enjoyed talking with you. And, and I, I, well, thank you. It was fun. Where can people find your music? How can they follow you and and, and keep an eye on what you're doing? Um, okay. Well, um, right now, I'm, well, on Instagram, I've got two channels. There's the Robbie Jabel channel, R A B I H slash eight G E B E I L E. And there's the Mondo Kane TV, Mondo Kane TV okay. that I did. And this one, like it's got obviously everything that's got to do with Mondo Kane and the part where I'm having fun, I'm doing a lot of um, uh, glitch art videos on it. Oh, cool. So uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm trying to give it a, uh, a nice, like a nice concept altogether. That's, that's a bit different. Okay. From, from what I what I usually do, so I'm, I'm having quite some fun on it. So, so on Instagram you've got that, and of, of course on Bandcamp you can find Moldecan mm-hmm. on Spotify and all that, all, all these things and all these amazing services. Yes, <laughs> where <laughs> you make point zero 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 seven cents. Yeah, That's definitely. Mm, really go, nice. Go I can buy a burger. Yeah. <laughs> go with so, Bandcamp, yeah, everybody. But yeah, well, even, you know what, honestly, the most important for me, I really, up till now, my biggest problem is that I I'm, I noticed not so many people heard what I do, heard the, the EP, and I would really, rather than buying it, I would love people to at least listen to it that would be really awesome cool. that if they really like it i would love a movement of you know i really like this i want to share this to a friend i want to share i want this movement to go on i, want, I really want this sharing and caring before anything else you want to be so, the guy yeah. that's bootlegged yes please bootleg me please bootleg. <laughs> all right well i'm gonna be amazing i'm doing my part to to bootleg you Thanks, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Pleasure. Well, thank you for spending so much time with me, man. It's, it's been a blast, and I definitely want to stay in touch with you and, and have you back yeah, on. Pleasure. Awesome. <laughs> Regardez se cogner avec violence contre les mêmes murs Et recommencer, et recommencer, et recommencer Avaler le sable, reculer, mourir un peu Voir les autres tomber ensemble Et recommencer Seul Devant Sonic has something delicious for you. Hey, announcer guy, that's your cue. 
Try the new Sonic Steak and Bacon Grilled Cheese. Savory steak mixed with grilled onions topped with crispy bacon and melty American cheese, plus creamy mayo and tangy barbecue sauce. Or try it spicy with zesty cheese sauce and jalapenos. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely craving that previously mentioned thing. Sonic Steak and Bacon Grilled Cheese. Mmm, Sonic. Limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins.